Okay, doing it again. All right, Usa, focus the mind, synchronize the body, express greatness. What's up, guys? Four Corners, episode seven. I am your host, Ray. We've got a good, fun show for you guys today, talking about free agency, Michael Porter's contract negotiations, and a uh, potential shout out to a certain Paul Millsap who may or may not be returning to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, as well as Summer League. It's happening tonight. It is bowl season. Will he be good? Will he be bad? You'll see what our expectations are. I'm joined by my two best friends in the whole wild world. Jared, how you doing? Best friend sounds a little ambitious, but what's up, Ray? <laughs> okay, well, you know what? If, if that's how you feel, it's, it's okay. I understand. I understand. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Below him, you've got Bucket since 88. Maybe he's also my friend. Peter, how are you doing? Of course we're friends. Yeah, oh, I'm cool. doing well. Yeah. Cool. Ray, how, how, does it feel, how does it feel to be living in a world where JaVale McGee is a two-time NBA champion and now a gold medal winner? Isn't it three? Is it three? I think it's I don't know. three. He's got multiple championship rings and I gold thought he was. Yeah, I yeah. thought he was only in the last two for the Warriors. Exactly. Yeah. Wait. Oh, and then the Lakers. Oh, yes. Oh, so yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers have three. Won. So he does we, have three. We just don't, we don't acknowledge that championship. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse. But yeah, wearing, I mean, right? if you had told me, you know, back when I was, uh, what, 2011 or whatever, when he got traded here, if he came from that Wizards experience, that JaVale McGee, the Shaq and the Fool champion, would have three NBA titles and a gold medal, I would. Uh, I mean, I've always liked him. I've always felt like he got a bad rap to some extent, but that's that that would be surprising. Uh, that said, I mean, free agency, we just lost him. How, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, do you feel like, Peter, do you feel like this was a big loss? Do you feel like it's not a big deal somewhere in the middle? JaVale McGee? Yeah. Um, Not a big loss. I mean... Not a big loss. Can't be a big loss if a guy's not playing, right? So... The only way it becomes a big loss is if he ends up like swinging a playoff series that we lose to the Suns next year. But yeah, yeah Javale McGee was it, not the difference in that series. It's a little bit frustrating to me only because we traded two second round picks for him and for him not to play and then just kind of like walk away. Right. It's like, oh, what was this all for? <laughs> but Jared, will you miss JaVale McGee? Or to what extent would you miss JaVale McGee? I probably won't miss him, but um, wow, to to I the might, point is, is of the me? second round, to the point of the second round picks, I think more than anything that should show the point that the team sees itself at, where it's like, even if he didn't play those second round picks, it was still worthwhile, just in case they got a series with the Lakers. If the whole point is that the Nuggets need to move on from the from the asset game and start trying to win, then I think I think that was a step they did to do that, and whether it was a misstep or a misalignment between the coaches and the front office. You, I think you could go both ways on that. I'm not, I'm not sure I see it as a huge misstep, but more so just a, Hey, if we play the Lakers, they got to, they got to be ready for that. I mean, I still, I think it's a big loss in terms of personality. <laughs> That's fair. Honestly, I, I think if I were to rank the top three personalities on that team last year, I mean, Jokic is like underrated, like number one. He's just, you know, a top tier human being in the sense that he is uh, just so underratedly cool. You know, you see pictures of him like riding horses and you see his uh, background, you know, just being a little chubby kid playing basketball. He's a personality for the diehards, but he's not a personality. Right. So, right. Jamal Murray also kind of like. He's cool. He's got that like Mamba mentality that people like, but um, he's not—he's not getting you know ESPN front page attention to some extent. He was on Slam Magazine. Nice, nice. I uh, I, I I definitely read magazines still. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, uh, in all seriousness, I do want to give some credit to Javale McGee real quick though, because this mm-hmm. is a guy who has completely changed his attitude and demeanor like i was actually impressed with how much he was standing up on the bench cheering for his team like 
he was one of the best teammates on the team last year. He's even very though mature. he wasn't playing. So, he was all in, all in, especially for someone being there only half a season. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it sucked that we had injuries, but I actually feel like he helped get us to the second round simply by being around the team. Like, he was clearly a positive influence and impact, even though he didn't play much. So, I, I get that he's why he's in the league now. I, I think you guys remember a few years ago, he got mad that Shaq kept, like, you know, putting him on a Shaq and a fool. He's like, I'm not that yeah. guy anymore. And to his credit, he's right. Like, yeah, he still does some ridiculous things here and there on accident. I don't think, but he's a good teammate. I don't think he ever was that guy exactly. I really don't. I think, I think, okay, so I think it's two things. I think the biggest thing. Well, he was definitely he was on. He was on the Wizards. And I think anytime <laughs> you're on a team, you know, you're talking about Andre Blotch, Nick Young, rookie John Wall. You're talking about some guys that are like, this is like clown central in terms of, you know, not respectable teams in the league. And I think he kind of carried that, that like, quote unquote, um, air of disrespect with him throughout his career for a while. And it took him a lot of work to uh, not just change how he approached the game, because I think when he was in Denver, I, I didn't think he was that disruptive. He was funny. Like there's some, some cuts of him, uh, riding segways around the arena and stuff like that. But that's like, he, I think symbol, I think he's just like a fun guy. That said, Ray, I think it Ray, took multiple championships and a gold Ray, medal. This is absolutely ridiculous. I, I'm Maybe trying to is, give a guy credit for changing his ways. And now you're trying to backtrack and say he was, he's I'm been not. miscast in the first place. George yeah, Carl yeah. couldn't stand him. Then again, George they, uh, Carl doesn't like a lot of players. So maybe that's not exactly. the best. <laughs> and maybe best I'm like, uh, but as a DMV, this is a wild take, by the way. Okay, well, I, it, it's my—it's always been my take. Uh, I've always felt he was underrated as a respectable figure, just tainted by the stink of of Washington D.C. sports. Uh, so, see who else have we? Uh, I'm just going to start. We're just going to work our way Gilbert up, Arenas? kind of from the bottom. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not where I'm going. <laughs> uh, Shaq Harrison. The other guy who kind of walked off the team. How do you how do you, how do you feel about his uh, departure, Peter? Um, I mm, slightly bummed out, but not a major loss at all. Obviously, I mean he's he's your fifth guard at best. You know, he was just brought in to be a practice player essentially because we were short on bodies, and then you know had a couple of nice possessions in that Blazers series, Garden Dame at the end of the half. Like he did, do he's that. definitely a. NBA talent on the defensive side of the floor, but in today's game, that's just not enough. So, <clears throat> fuck. I understand the mock. Uh, no, it's moving on. <laughs> Jared, I saw that eye roll. How do you feel about Shaq Harrison? <laughs> I just, I just love the constant jabs at Faku. But um, for Shaq Harrison, I think, I think that was it, similar to Peter. I really am only going to miss him in the sense that I talked myself into him so much. And I still, mm. I still think he's got a shot. Um, I didn't see if he latched on anywhere, but would be really interested to see if if that kind of player type can can really hang on anywhere. Because I mean, how far off is he from being Chris Dunn? And Chris Dunn, people still seem to really hold on to belief in. And I'm sure someone who knows more about NBA defense could come in and tell me how wrong I am, and that Chris Dunn is way better. But just just that general player archetype. I think it's all about situation, right? Like what kind of coach do you have? Does does the coach want and like that kind of player? And then what's the rest mm -hmm. of the talent on the roster? Because right. with everybody that's back and with Jamal coming back eventually, he just isn't in the top tier of talent to have a roster spot for him. So don't get me wrong. Shaq Harrison's a phenomenal player. Like if you make it to the NBA and you're right on the cusp, you're damn good at basketball. Like he's a damn good college player. Unfortunately for him in today's game, you have to be a good three point shooter to have an NBA career, unless you're really good at a bunch of other stuff. And he's just only really good at on ball defense really. And that's just not really enough. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. Moving up the line. We, let's see. We've pretty much retained a lot of, uh, our other players, Jamichael Green resigns, Will Barton resigns. How do you feel about those, Peter? Uh, so let's save the best for last. Good deals, uh, bad deals. I, I'll talk about Jamichael first. 
I was a little bit surprised. One, that he opted out. I probably shouldn't have been surprised. But then I was also a little surprised that the amount he got. I think he got a two-year deal for $17 million. Mm-hmm. He had a very interesting year to me. Because when he was on, man, he was on. And then when he was off, it looked really ugly. So it did. I guess I kind of view him as like a five to $6 million a year player. I know we're only haggling over a couple of million here, but I'm very surprised that he got like twice as much money as Bobby Portis, who I thought was phenomenal for the Bucks during their playoff run. Bobby Portis yeah. is on record turning down uh, seven-figure per year deals to stay with the Bucks, I believe. Okay, I didn't okay. know that he had other offers for way more or to turn him down. because Eight-figure, yeah. It sounded like he had turned down double-digit million per year deals elsewhere. But that's probably okay. from like that makes more sense. The he's, I definitely think Bobby Portis is a better player than Jermichael Green, but and a lot younger. Yeah, they're both you know off the bench rotation bigs that are solid. So you know, yeah. When when Jokic came out with those comments at the beginning of last year, saying I want to play with this guy the rest of my life, that was a great endorsement, and I'm glad that he's it's back because got- he's he's a guy that's all in, right? Like he's he's a lunch pail guy. He's he's mostly quiet. You know, in terms of like, he's not going to do dumb stuff off the court and like throw yeah. people under the bus. He's a good teammate. He works hard. I'm sure Malone loves him. You know, he's kind of like little. Per- he's different personality, but he can kind of replace everything that Millsap did. So I get moving on from Millsap because like they were pretty redundant in their skill set. Yeah, I, I'd say. I mean, Paul's a better isolation score, but for sure, do, do you really want either of those guys? Isolating, not really. No, at this not point. anymore. So Millsap was good in his prime. He was, and and even like he'll have good games, uh, but he'll have plenty of games where that uh, let me post up two dribbles, pump one way, fade the other way. Maybe I'll draw a foul. If not, I'm I might just break the shot. I don't know. Right. Uh, so I understand if you're going to take the player who is not going to take up possessions like that. He's pretty much going to either be shooting like wide open threes or attacking the basket for layups or dunks or, or what have you. Um, so, so Jared, do you have a similar feeling about it, about the, about yeah, the, pretty, pretty similar. The only thing I would add is a uh, situation like, like what you, like you even mentioned it with Bobby Portis, like where were those big offers coming from? I was kind of surprised and this applies to Barton as well, that they both took uh two year deals. And I would be really curious to see. Cause I, I, I feel almost positive they they had to be getting three years from somewhere at least offered, and I'd be really curious to see where those were coming from and if if we kept them on sort of a a default, like the Nuggets were the best team that was going to offer them similar type of money, and the only teams yeah. that were giving them bigger deals or more years were were not quite as solid of situations, or if they really and I obviously I'd like to believe it, and part of me does believe that. They really just wanted to finish the job here, and they were they were willing to accept two years instead of get an extra third year somewhere else. Yeah, so I think the other two teams that were in on Jamaica were the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. Timberwolves, right, and that, that says enough right there. Yeah, Timberwolves, I didn't see it unless they're just giving them a crazy amount of money. Pelicans would have made a lot of sense because I believe he's from Mobile, which is like two and a half hour drive. And then, uh, you know, they're trying to put a big that can space the floor for Zion and he can definitely do that. Mm-hmm. So I actually right. think that would have been a perfect fit for him basketball wise. Don't know how much better they would have been as a team. Still kind of like on the fringe. It's not there. like they're going to, they're not contenders or if you're, if you're thinking about it as who is the contender here, it's more so Denver right. than New Orleans in any sort of uh two to four year window. He knew that if he came back, he was going to have essentially the same role. And they probably also told him, like, look, either JaVale or Paul or both won't be back. This is your backup job. You're the number That's one a good point. That's a good point as well. Yeah. And well, he knows it pro- he's in it the probably rotation. probably felt good coming off a season with the Clippers where he just kind of randomly lost his spot entirely by the end of the year in the playoffs to have a year where it's like I'm playing meaningful minutes in, in a playoff series or two playoff series. For yeah. Montrez Harrell. For Montrez Harrell. Yeah, so yeah, that's definitely understandable. Uh, so I guess that, that are we going to save that? That leaves saving that for right? uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no. It, are we skipping over Jeff Green, or are we going to hit him later? 
Oh, we can we can get that after because he's New not. Guy. He New wasn't guy. on the Nuggets last year. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I haven't internalized that he's here yet. Uh, but yeah, I was shocked yeah. by that, by the way. But yeah, let's let's talk about Will now. We, we've been talking long enough. This this is what the people have been waiting for. Give them so, what they want. The people's champ. Ray, I, I think I've made this clear to you in the past. There was only one mm-hmm. thing I cared about this offseason. It was making sure the Nuggets brought back Will Barton because last year we were all disappointed that the Nuggets couldn't bring back Jeremy Grant. They tried, you know, the, the reports are they offered up to 20 million. Same thing Detroit offered. And then, of course, he had his reasons for leaving. Don't need, I don't want to go down that road again. And Will Barton, different player than Jeremy Grant, but extremely important for the Nuggets to keep him. One, because the continuity, uh, Jokic likes him. You know, he's a good fifth starter with that group. But obviously, number one, Jamal's out. So who do we who's going to be able to run that two-man game with Jokic? He showed that he can do it pretty well when Jamal went down last year. Obviously, he's not replacing Jamal Murray. We're not asking him to do that, but can you give us 70%, 80%? Can you supplement and, Jamal Murray? Yeah. And so yeah. I'm actually really, really, really looking forward to the first half of the season because Nobody's talking about the Nuggets. This is great. This is what we're used to. And like everybody's like, oh, Luca's a star. He's ready to take the MVP. And that might be true. But guess what? If you look at the rest of the Mavs roster and then you compare it to the rest of the Nuggets roster without Jamal Murray, which team's better? And then which team's going to have a better record? That's going to, that's something I'm keeping my eye on because it's hard the, to the be casual MVP. basketball fan. Yeah. The casual basketball fan thinks that, uh, thinks that, you know, Doncic is better than Jokic, but all the stats prove that that's not true. And I think Will Barton can really help Jokic keep not only mm-hmm. keep the team afloat, but maybe even thrive. And I think that this is because you guys remember when Jamal Murray went down, everybody, yeah, it was all doom and gloom, but like the team didn't back down. Didn't the team go like nine and two or something? They like, did. First 11 games after Jamal went down. So, and I can't say that without acknowledging that Jokic also like, somehow took it to like another level which was yeah. crazy but will barton was also a huge part of that yeah so i'm i'm excited i'm i'm excited for more thrill you know will barton career year coming up that that's how i see it and that's what i'm rooting for how do you see it jared go ahead i see i see some thoughts uh percolating in there what's up i just love will i love seeing will back that made me really happy too because um yes. I mean, if the how much it hurts to see Jeremy Grant go, that just would have been ten times over for Will Barton. Yeah, and especially, I mean, especially if it felt like if it was a, oh well, we didn't want to, we didn't want to pay him as much as he got or wanted, type of type of bailout offer. Because I don't, I don't see another reason he would leave at this point other than that he was lowballed or he got a big offer somewhere else. And if 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 it was a big big offer, I could understand that. But there was just. I was I was very much in the in the same side as Peter where that was number one and and it needed to get done as 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 realistically as possible. Yeah, and kind of to your point, I think he brings. I mean, beyond just being a great player, he brings some like happiness and joy to that Nuggets roster. He's a Maybe, leader on that team. Yeah, and all the all the other players have acknowledged that he is one of the leaders in that team, and and they all respect him and look to him for. A variety of things yeah if, if there's one who was like a someone who's a heart and soul kind of player on a team uh, and plenty of times you know it might be Bobby Bobby Portis it might have been Kenneth Reed like seven eight years ago I think right now it's Will Barton I think that's a fair yeah. way to put it I mean it's it's just it would be and I think I mentioned this before as well there's just a lot of things about the Nuggets offense that just function because of Will Barton as much as you may want to disagree with how he plays or or how he fits into the offense. There's a large part of their offense that just functions significantly better with that level of playmaker, ball handler to and slide shooting. in at shooting and willingness mm-hmm. to let Jamal Murray take over that role when he came to this team in his prime trying to or near, near when he came in, he was nearing into his prime, trying to prove that he belonged in the league. And here's a 19 year old kid and he's just like Jamal's the truth. It is what it is. I I accept that. You know, not every player was going to do that. Also, Jokic's first stand. Like no one, no one. You know, highlighted Jokic's ability. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
I also and think last but it, it's important to um, contextualize Will Barton's career in Denver because I think a lot of the casual fans don't necessarily understand his whole timeline. And this is how I see it. So please, please sprinkle in your thoughts if you disagree with any of this. When Will got here, he was a mostly unproven player, but he was also coming to a team that was like, not any good, had no star power, you know, had a couple players on the rise in Harrison Jokic, but Jamal wasn't Jamal yet. So there was nobody to, for lack of a better term, take the steering wheel. So Mm -hmm. what he did was he came in and became who he always was, which was an aggressive two guard who can do a little bit, everything shoot, you know, pass drive, nothing at all-star level. But I would say all he does all three, like things that you want from a two guard to do at an above average NBA level. And Peter, some just to contextualize, it would be like if Bull Bull went to the Sacramento Kings and suddenly was like a leader of that team, right? As De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley turned into stars. Right. <laughs> right. So, if that were if if we're in some alternate, but he really did it. It's not some theory. Right. Yeah. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is there were plenty of games where there literally was nobody else to take the big shot. So Will's taking the big shot, quote unquote. For I mean, a team that wasn't any good, he's hitting it every now and then. But I think as the years went on, he did a better job of picking his spots, taking more of a backseat. And I honestly think, I really don't think this is recency bias. I think the last season, especially after the Gordon trade, was the best I've ever seen him like in a team concept. He didn't take bullshit shots anymore, for lack of a better term, right? Maybe one yeah. per game. So I think the fans get in a mind, get in their mind what they've seen a player do, and they think that's how that player is now forever. But mm-hmm. Will Barton has grown his game. He's gotten better. He has good chemistry with Jokic. Like you said, he's taken a back seat to Murray. He's he's right. even encouraging Monte. I mean, that was how awesome was that after the Blazers game? Monte had like what 20 or something in that game? And he's, yeah, it was he's like about high to get twenties. He's like in the interview. Do you guys remember that? Monte was putting on the headset and Will's like, I told you. I told you you were going to get 20. Like, he's of just, course. you can tell all the guys love him. Yeah. And I think just like JaVel McGee, you do one dumb thing that gets publicized, you know, very heavily. And the fan base is like, oh, that's what right. you are, you know? And a Jason lot, how, Terry. let's be honest, Jared. How a lot many of people Nuggets remember fans, Jason they're Terry? Not, at, they're not worried about context. They just turn on the game and see Will Barton missing layups. Well, Will Barton had a core injury. Guess what you're going to mess up when you have a core injury? You're not going to be explosive and be able to get to the same spots in the rim that you're used to. Right. No, that's a good point as well. I mean, we could easily come into this season and all the fears we're having about like, well, as much as the three of us love Will, we will admit he was missing a lot of layups last year. But to your what? point, he, yeah. could, he could easily come back next year and all that finishing is back. Because He's, I love been, our a, starting he's been a great finisher for the majority it's- of his career going to be exciting especially you know he's going to have a whole season of off-season work of conditioning of strengthening his body and you know he's going to come into the season with fresh legs and not just off of rehab and not where you don't really have the opportunity to yeah you've been working to get back onto the court but that doesn't necessarily mean you're in the best shape of your life where you're jumping as high as you can where you feel that sense of trust in your body to to get all you can out of it. Uh, and and I guess for ex- a good example of what the sort of like labeling I think can happen for players is that I think about Jason Terry and I think a lot of players think about Jason Terry and the first they think they think they don't consider, oh, he had a long career as a very serviceable backup guard and at times great. They think of that one time that the Heatles demolished his entire career and I think that's kind of how he's uh, immortalized to some extent. And, and, and every player has certain moments uh, that are going to live in people's memory. You know, Anthony Carter has that turnover. Uh, Kim Fareed, for me. taking the rebound out to half court because he thinks he's up by a point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Things like that where like one moment can kind of enshrine in someone's mind who they are as a player. Uh, J.R. Smith is a great, he has like seven of those moments in my mind. Like I remember when he was on the Nuggets, uh, I think this was the year they were playing the Lakers in the playoff series and it's clearly over and he's been making, you know, kind of goofy plays all day. But now that we're down 20 with a minute left, 
Carl puts him in, what does he do? He just makes like 12 points in a row off of ridiculous 2K-esque, like fading out of bounds three-pointers because he's J.R. Smith. And Mm -hmm. that's just the sort of, you know, black box of epicness that he can sometimes be in either direction. That's what's so funny so, about fans, right? It's like they're so cynical. If if a guy has a bad stretch, they want to bench him or get rid of him. This happens in football all the time, right? With like if the mm-hmm. starting quarterback isn't good, oh, the who's the most popular guy in town, the backup. Well, guess what? We saw what the Nuggets look like without Will Barton, and it was was not good. Yes, or no, <laughs> no, I should say. <laughs> Everybody was like, "Oh man, we really need Will Barton back." I was like, "Yeah, we do." Yeah, the um, so the last player of the Nuggets free agency is Jeff Green. Now, I, I think it's it's interesting to me that you know this signing because obviously I don't think anyone expected it. I mean, this is a guy who's been on how many teams? Twelve 11, teams. Twelve teams uh, since two thousand seven when he came in the league. Crazy, and crazy career arc. I just I don't really know what I'm expecting from him at this point. He he's 34. He still I consider him serviceable. You know he's had plenty of great seasons. I know he knows how to play his role, uh, and he's the kind of guy who, you know, at least I have. If you were to give me, I'm taking the over on like four and a half games of like 25 points in the regular season because he just. He's just one of those guys that, that he's always playing hard. 25. I, I think he's, yeah. He's, he's not going to get kinda, minutes to do that. We'll see. <laughs> but I can give you a perfect example of what I think you should expect since you said you're not sure. I think that Jeff Green is going to do exactly what the team wanted and needed Paul Millsap to do this past year. He's going to come off the bench and play the four or the mm-hmm. five. He's going to hit threes at a good clip, and he's going to play solid defense. That's all you need him to do. He did that. Yeah. He's been he doing will. that for a while. But is he – well, I, I guess it's more like I don't know if he's going to play like every other night for 20 minutes or 15 minutes or 10 minutes or if he's going to be like seventh man and play – I guess it's it's more in the context of is it him who's going to play a lot or is it Zeke who's going to play a lot? If, if that's what if it's going to be fascinating talking. to watch because I know, you know, I know Michael Malone. You guys know Michael Malone and his track record for who he tends to favor between you know in that circle of trust. And it's more often than not the guys who have experience and who've been there. And no one exemplifies that more than Jeff Green, and no one, uh, no other forward that can fill that role at this point besides Bull Bull, exemplifies the opposite than Zeke Naji. Not not to say that he isn't talented, not to say that he isn't good or that he can't be good, but we just haven't seen it yet. So, I think that, it's going to be matchup-based. I think that Zeke is going to get every opportunity to prove that he should be in the regular rotation, but mm-hmm. I actually think it's going to be one of those situations where, based on who we're playing and what the matchup is, there's going to be games where Malone goes big and the bench will be green, green, four, five, Zeke at the three. And then there'll be other games where Faku plays and Zeke won't play because he's playing small. So I would like that. You know, I would appreciate a little bit more of a sort of tactical to the situation approach. But at the same time, I don't think Malone's ever, at least the, the playoffs, Kind of, but uh, the regular season, I feel like he likes his guys that he gets to his, you know, nine or 10 guys, and that's who he sticks with. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's tough. I I really don't have to see how much ball handling he wants on the floor because PJ can play the two or the three. So I predict he'll be coming off the bench playing the the three because he's still going to want minutes for, for Faku. You know, and then he's going to try to play Monte and Faku together. Hopefully, not that much, but he's still going to do it. We know he's going to do it, and he's going to want that second unit to have spacing. So, I mean, creation. I mean, they'll have spacing too. But yeah, it it, it is the green signing does complicate things for Zeke a little bit because mm-hmm. they're similar players, 
But obviously, Zeke probably has more upside being younger, but he also is going to make more mistakes. So hopefully, hopefully Malone will use the first 20 games the way George Carl did as like an extended training camp and just give him a bunch of run. But hopefully by the end of the season, if Zeke's not like a cog in the rotation, he probably will be out for the playoffs because he's just going to trust Green at that point. Jared, do you have a, do you feel like, who do you, who would you have playing more this season, Zeke or Jeff Green? My guess right now will be uh, Jeff Green, but I, I, I do think that Zeke is going to get like a real, not like a fake bull bull type opportunity to play. I think, I think Zeke's going to get a real shot at it because I think he's earned the trust. And especially last year, he showed in his minutes, like he, it's worth giving him a look at least. It's not. Mm-hmm necessarily oh we're gonna say we're giving you a look to keep you feeling all right and then we kind of already have it predetermined i think he's gonna get a real shot at it i would just guess jeff green plays more um just because i think he's got a few more defined skills at this point obviously being a veteran and i think i don't i don't think that's just a veteran versus young guy thing i think that's a real attribute of jeff green versus zeke Naji there right now at each of their points in their career Hmm, interesting. Uh, there's one guy I forgot that to talk about. Austin Rivers. He's back. You My should take the floor player. on this one, Ray. Yeah. He's a good death piece. I think it's I don't hate I don't hate Austin Rivers on a personal level. <laughs> uh, and sure? I have to preface the that. Fa- yeah, the fact we, that you have we... to say that to start. <laughs> I feel bad for Way. I think we've talked about Austin Rivers for three pods in a row. He's probably killing him inside. I, I think Possibly. Austin Rivers has come up on all seven episodes we've had. <laughs> <laughs> Star of the show. That's our bit. That's our bit. I, I think similar to the Jeff Green siding, he creates a similar, like, who who is going to play? Because I know he is the death piece, right? But at the same time, isn't Faku also a death piece? And PJ is a death piece. So... It almost feels like, you know, we're thinking about fit and rotations and who can play together and considering Monte and Pac Faku or Monte and PJ and Monte and Barton and, and thinking about those players and how they blend together and what Michael Malone might do. When you add Austin Rivers into that mix, it's really, you know, if Jeff Green confuses me in terms of like, I don't know what's going to happen with this. Austin Rivers really confuses me in terms of I don't I don't see any clarity in terms of defined roles between these three players, I guess, between Monte, Faku, and and Austin at this point. Because Austin did well, I mean, I wish I did. And I want to say that I trust that that Monte's Monte, gonna start. I mean, I want to believe that, but he didn't. Faku started last year in the I mean, playoffs. he's going to play starters Austin minutes. Rivers, That's what I'm saying. Well, Austin Rivers also started in the playoffs over Monte. So, and I, to that end, it's Will an interesting question too. for me. I I think so. Uh, the two or, or the one. I could honestly see him being, depending on who he's next to, you know, if he's with Monte, Barton's clearly the two. If he was a PJ, who was the one there? I don't really. I it's think Malone trusts Barton more in that scenario. Yeah. If yeah, it's and, and him and PJ. Barton clearly, you know, above all these players, PJ clearly has like a defensive role and it's a tool set that uh, Monte, Faku, and Austin lack. I actually don't think Austin is going to start the season in the rotation. I think he's more of one of those guys that's gotten to the point in his career where you're out of the rotation. We know you're not way worse than these guys. When we're having a bad night or guys like aren't slacking off, just don't have it. We're going to inject you into the game and maybe you can turn the game around. And what I like about the NBA now is as we've seen, like with the three pointer, how crazy these comebacks are. If, if a team's bringing in their bench and they're coming back, the coach will ride with them. So like Austin's still going to have his chances. He's still going to have, those random games where he goes off for like 10, 12 points in a quarter or have, you know, 20 points in a game. But I don't think it's going to be part of the regular rotation. But the most positive thing I'll say about him is like, 
there's way worse players you can have on your roster on a minimum contract. So I'm I'm not opposed to having him back at all. Well, and especially ones that want to be here. It's not exactly. like we had to overpay for him. Like you said, it was a minimum. That's yeah, a big step for this franchise, right? I mean, back <laughs> in the day, you could ha- probably have guys that'd be like, you know what, I'm good. I'll just go play overseas. I don't want to sit on the bench in Denver. You really think we were losing players to overseas contracts? I think it happens to that some hurts teams, me. Yeah. That hurts me. Uh, I don't even want it's to consider possible. That. <laughs> it is possible. I mean, I think there are some players who look made. A guy like Vlaco or a guy like Wancho, you know, where they had this period in Denver that um, they had for Wancho had four or five years here. And Vlaco's, this is going to be his fourth year, third year. And neither, re- I mean, Wancho had chances, but and Vlaco had, he played sometimes a little bit when people were hurt. But I think especially after his his period with Slovenia in the Olympics, I think he may be feeling a little bit differently about himself. Not that he doesn't want to, you know, play his best role in Denver. But I think if he spends his whole career year without really getting an opportunity to play, hindsight will be kind of like, oh, wow, I could have had. Yes, I could be a role player who doesn't really play, say, for maybe 10 games a year in Denver. Or I could have been a star player for Barcelona or something like that. Uh, and I think well, that'll also, be also interesting. To kind of connect it back to the free agency. Are you on the side that you were disappointed that some of the free agency signings led to Vlatko is pretty clearly not going to play? Like, did you want him to edge into being a ninth, tenth man here or... Are you are you fine with it continuing kind of as it is where he's an injury spot? I think he's Peter, a yoga. Peter has some very clear <laughs> nods. <laughs> I'm going to be real quick because I don't have too much to say right, about right. it beyond the fact that I think he's a Jokic player. I think he fits really well in a team built around him in the sense that he plays. I think he plays good defense. I think he <laughs> is a good ball mover. I think he shoots at the right times. And I think that means a lot for how the game flows and how the game looks. And I think that makes Jokic happy. Ray, you're getting and killed I'm by gonna let it go. expressions here. I am getting killed. So Peter, I'm going to let you go. Tell me, aggressive. tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me, tell me why, <laughs> tell me why Vlaco oh, is not an NBA player. Go ahead. So this is like one of my corners. Now, the thing that bothers me the most about, just the discourse on Vlaco. I like Vlaco as a person. I think he's a good teammate, good, you know, solid player. But Adam obviously loves him too. But the number one thing he always says about him is uh, he's a low-mistake player. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. If your number one NBA skill set is that you're a low-mistake player, that's code for you're not a good basketball player at the oh, NBA I level. Think- and uh, – I can't believe you just said he's a good fit with Jokic. Jokic is slow. Vatko is slow. The defense is horrible when they're both on the floor. You can't put two slow guys in the front court. You can't. They do don't it. even play that's, together. That's death. That's death. I don't in the even NBA. think they have a lot of time to say that. Like, oh, their defense is not. No, I think Matt Moore has been on this early. Is Anytime Vlatko's goes on the court, we get killed on defense. He's just. He's yeah, good but in- who's on the court when Vlatko was on the court? Vlock, or Marcus Howard is on the court. Faku was on the it. court. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't think it's fair to say that, especially guys who were like on the cusp of a rotation, that when you put them in or that in their, in their minutes, because you could say the same thing about Porter to some extent, where people look at his like plus minuses in certain situations and say, oh, well, he's a bad defender because when you see him on the court, the plus minuses are bad or the defensive ratings are bad. But it's also, who was this guy playing with? What are the opportunities that he's getting to play? Is he actually in relevant minutes? Is he playing with competent defenders around him? Or is he like, oh, wow, he threw him in in garbage time and they didn't do well. They gave up a lot of points. And I just feel like I mean, it's I won't necessarily... completely dismiss that. There's some truth to what you're saying, but here's the problem with what you're saying. If a player is good enough at a skill to justify you having to make up for his shortcomings, 
then you can live with it, right? Like Damian Lillard, terrible defender, but he's going to okay. play 35 minutes a game, right? Because he's your whole offense. Okay. Vlako Chanchar is not a lights out three point shooter. He's not creating off the dribble. He's not a dope passer. He's just a he's a good whatever. passer. He's fine. He's a but, good decision maker. But he he's not a guy you need to build your defense around. He needs to be good at defense to justify minutes, and he's not. I don't think he's a well. I all the things that apply to him also apply to Faku, and Faku plays twenty to twenty five minutes a night. <laughs> no argument there. I mean, I was hoping to go Faku free for the whole pod, but you know, I mean, <sighs> if I and if I had to have one of those guys, I'd rather have because Vlako also he's a good rebounder. I would say he's above average in that sense. He's stronger he's a than hustle most. guy. He hustles. He hustles. I'd rather have my hustle guy be six nine than five nine. Exactly. I love watching Vlatko in garbage time, and that's about it. I hate watching him in garbage time because <laughs> it's useless. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, oh, wow, he hustled really hard in the last 30 seconds of the game. That's great. Give it to Bull <laughs> so he can just jack up another three-pointer. Like, man, I want it to matter. Hey, some, even those if, are important I'm shots. Not... Sometimes those mean free tacos for like 18,000 people, right? <laughs> I'm usually one of those 18,000. That's, that's true. I mean, I, I, I'm not day. saying, yeah, free tacos. <laughs> I'm not saying um, I need him to play, you know, start or like play 20 minutes a night or, you know, but I think if he was like the backup five, if he like had had a, a two or three minute stretch with Jokic, I think he would do well. I think it would look good, but you can't play him because you're also playing other guys who we've already talked about who are also, you know, athletically challenged or I also mean, I, I not appreciate great your optimism, shooters. but I've seen enough. All right. Well, you I hope well I, cut I hope he proves me wrong. I will be you might as well cut him. I'd rather cut him then. Go 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 back to Slovenia. No, go, I like having Jokic's caddy on the team. It's perfect role for him. You Jesus. gotta have guys <laughs> you gotta have guys on the team that are cool with not playing. Every NBA team has guys that don't play and know they're not going to play. But I also think if you have – he's still young, you know. He could have a career somewhere, you know. I, right, I, but we just talked about I, being surprised that Austin Rivers came here to take that – supposedly take that role. I mean, I, I think there's only so much Denver can do in terms find of getting, getting another Jeff to Green. be the 14th man that won't play. I'd rather have Millsap. I mean, if you're if you're Sam Presti or if you're the Orlando GM, then yeah, you don't want to waste the roster spot on a guy who's doesn't have much upside and isn't going to play. But when you're a contender, I'm, it's fine to have a guy like Vlaku who's good in the locker room, professional. He's going to hustle, you know. But you're not counting on him for anything really. You're just kind of counting on him to be a good guy and help the culture. Because if you can't help on the court. You got to find a way to contribute off the court. And I think Flacco does that and give him credit. Some guys in his position wouldn't handle it well and they'd be out of a job by now. So give him credit for that. Yeah. I just think he could have, I don't think I will. Yeah. We, we've already discussed him being on the court or not, but do we want to move on guess, to the, to the person who has not signed the paper yet? Sure. Uh, Michael Porter jr. Has not signed an extension as of nine thirty-five PM on August 8th, 2021, when we're recording this podcast. Or Jared, are you worried? A tiny bit, but not 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 enough to really be like deep diving into the conspiracy Snapchats and all that that I'm sure are floating out there. There are are there conspiracy <laughs> Snapchats? <laughs> I don't I don't even think so. That probably just made me sound way I think older it, than I am. But no, I, I have to go on Snapchat now and and find while I do or that, the, Peter, the, the curious Mike deep dives that people are doing to see what it means and where he's going. But I'm not I'm not worried. I would to, to put it simply, I'm not that worried, but it's a little weird. That's about it, though. So I am not worried because of one tweet from one Mike Singer, who's like has a really good success rate mm -hmm. on his Nuggets reporting, who said there's nothing to worry about. So I'm going to take his word for it and just hope that one of these days we'll hear something. The one part I am worried about, Ray, is that I don't want this to be a Gordon Hayward situation where he signs right. it, 
but he's like pissed in the back of his mind because we didn't just lock him up right away. And that's a seed that's now planted. So I don't know everything that's going on behind closed doors, but I fully expect him to sign an extension. I would be absolutely shocked if uh, things go south either this summer or next year. Yeah, I do as well. And I think per, per that tweet, it was mentioned that basically the Nuggets were not going to start negotiating until after they had re-signed, uh, after they had made their re-signings in free agency. Is that is that accurate? And that from there they would sign him or work on the extension in that then we have this COVID thing that's happening. So where no one's really like in the building. Yeah, It did, it did sound no like there was a, in. there was an order of events that got thrown off. Uh, that, that's how it felt to right. me as I, yeah, well. We're like, I'm not too worried about it in the sense that the nuggets have a pretty good track record of, if anything, they'll overpay a guy, you know, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be, in the Nuggets uniform through at least the first two contracts of his career. Right. And well, and push comes to shove. And even, even if they don't extend him and it's a whole dramatic problem, then he hits RFA and they max him and you go from there. And maybe, maybe there's three years from that. There's a get me out of here. Cause I'm sick of it. And I'm tired of, I shouldn't have had to hit RFA, but that's four years from now in, in an NBA where we were just talking before we went on air over half the league is turning over every three years there. I, I don't know how you would look too far beyond a rookie extension. You're thinking RFA, like at the end of the second contract. No, no. I'm thinking like if they weren't to extend him and he just played mm-hmm. out his contract this year, he would just get maxed and restricted in 2020. Then you go from there summer. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, so long story short, not, not worried. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think I'm really excited for this year to see what he can add to his game, see how good he can yeah. be. You know, got a pretty uh, interesting bet with Jake that he's going to be an all-star. So we'll see if that works out for me. But what are the what are the terms of this bet? Oh, Just you so we put it live clear, on there for the public. Well, he gave me he gave me ten to one odds. So uh, if MPJ is not an odds. all-star. If he's not an all-star, I, I owe Jay 50 bucks. But if he is an all-star, uh, you can multiply that number by 10. Okay. That's interesting. 10 units. Gotcha. In the uh, West? I would have won 15 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not as optimistic as me, Jared. No. Yeah. Well, hmm. that's interesting. I mean, I understand the inclination to be concerned about it just because nug life nug life we've had these free agency debacles with grant in the past and we're looking uh and maybe we can talk about this next uh aaron gordon also will be me i think that's a little bit more up in the air with him as in terms of whether he extends or not and weird things happen and i'll acknowledge that so i'm confident but I understand someone who might worry. That said, if you're out there, relax. It'll be okay. Yeah. Well, one thing we, one key detail we forgot to mention uh, Michael Porter Jr. has been at the Nuggets facility this offseason already, a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bones Highland, you know, when he for, reported to Denver to meet people and sign his contract, there's a video of him, you know, dapping up with MPJ. So MPJ looks like he's all in. So this isn't a Ben Simmons blackout. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no. I mean, he, he, I, I, think, I think that's a I'm Ben just, Simmons mention in every show too. I'm just glad I'm not a Sixers <laughs> fan. Like I'll never forget. Zach Lowe did a podcast like a year or two ago about the Sixers. And he's like three absolutely crazy things have happened to them in the past year. And not and Markel Fultz's situation, it doesn't even crack the top three. Like that team it is really just doesn't. crazy. I mean, I, I've commented before earlier, you know, throughout the years of kind of discrepancies between the plans of Tim Connolly and Michael Malone. Mm-hmm. The 76ers, if I was a 76ers fan, I would be at least twice as mad 
in that context in terms right. of I think, the I think amount that's where, of where it's worth missed. reminding yourself that this isn't a Nuggets only problem. It's not. It's not. But I think no one has, and I, I, I imagine part of this is the firing of Sam Hinkie because I do feel like he more or less was right about the situation and the plan initially I think was good. But with that whole, when Colangelo came in and he was like, okay, well, I have my own ideas about taking the direction of the team. Just kind of shelling out, tossing these guys aside left and right. That, I mean, is Jaleel Okafor good? Like to the extent that you wanted him to be? No. Is Mark Fultz, did he pan out in that immediate sense? Not necessarily, but they were in such a hurry to be this elite team where they wanted to win now and they were willing to throw out so many assets and trade for these guys, whether it was Jimmy Butler or uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name from the uh, Celtics he came from. Or did he go to the Celtics after Horford? The Al Horford, yeah. Uh, those deals. And to the extent that they're look they're in this situation where they're looking down the barrel of the wow you're running out of assets and your star players are upset team where you don't have the spacing to kind of support these players where the the chemistry is not necessarily great and as much as they're hoping to make this blockbuster deal and trade Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard or some other elite superstar. We're talking about paying a player who cannot shoot $200 million. And that, I mean, we can, we can, we can talk as much about like Faku or Vlaco as we want. They're role players. It's one thing to have a role player who can't shoot. It's another thing to have one of your literal super max stars, you know, who aren't, either willing or capable of doing so. So in a, so they're they're in a really precarious situation. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating to me is I don't disagree with anything you said and I think that Simmons definitely has major major issues both, you know, mostly mentally but somewhat physically. Here comes the turn. Let's go. <laughs> I actually think picking on Ben Simmons is low-hanging fruit because yeah. I think that if you look at NBA history and you look at every single championship team, what do they all have in common? The best player on their team is a good leader, at least during that time. They weren't maybe always at the beginning of their career. But I think that Joel Embiid has been let off the hook for having the pulse of his team. Now, I get it. If you want to make the excuse it's not his fault that Ben Simmons can't shoot free throws, that's true. But nobody made... Joel Embiid throw Ben Simmons under the bus after the fact. I agree. So I think that Joel showed tremendous uh, progress from what is he age twenty six? Finally mm-hmm. had his first season where he decided to get serious and get in shape, and was first yeah. team All NBA and was like runner up in MVP. This should have happened the whole three, four years ago. Yeah, but he's always had this talent, Ray. That's what of I'm course. saying. Like the light bulb has just now went on. And now he's got to find that next step, which is the leadership part of being the best player on your team. If he never figures that out, it doesn't matter how good he is. They're never going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to get the best out of everyone else, not just yes. yourself. Uh, and that right. goes for and him. That goes for Doc Rivers. That's the part also that never gets talked about the bus. that is why Jokic is better than him. That is why Jokic is better than ben, than. He's better than Ben Simmons. But also Joel Embiid, just, just no. so we all let's all, let's all, let's all, let's all agree. Well, yeah. Better than Joel Embiid, confirmed MVP. Let's 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 end this debate. Let's move on. Who's next? Who's next in that ladder? I mean, I feel like you know where we're past. Like there was Chris Dabbs, there was Miles Turner, there was. Kat, well, if Anthony was, Davis is actually going to play centers, where do, I think is he's he slotting in there. I, I do well, think people have already proclaimed Anthony Davis the best big man of all time. He's better than Duncan, I thought. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think <laughs> that, in the Mortal Kombat right. ladder of, of <laughs> talent players, uh, Jokic and Davis are like right there. And I think he is that next step. And I think he can surpass Davis both in just consistency of just, you know, Davis does not play <laughs> that much. Um, does 
Davis is not necessarily the facilitator that Jokic is. I think he's already got those edges. If Jokic can continue to develop and be the scorer on the level of Davis, because he does, you know, he's developing his own sorts of unique moves and he's become this guy who's, you know, we're relying on him for a lot of offense. If he can get to that next level as a scorer, just in isolation, I think it's kind of a wrap, is it not? Well, did you guys see that picture of him recently? He's like even more ripped now. Are he's we ready getting, for athletic Jokic? Is this thing that's going to develop happen? his body? I don't know if he's going to. I mean, I think he'll slow down as he ages, but I think he's also going to get stronger. And I think that is going to continue to allow him to dominate more and more players and get be more and more. I hope so. You know, it, it, shooting is not necessarily like a strength activity. But if you can absorb contact and still be able to find your form and be comfortable on the court, I think that means just as much as being having the, the skill itself of being able to shoot. So in that sense, and given that this year he's not going to have Jamal and there's no uh, – he's going to be relied on a lot basically to do well, that. Well, I'm actually fascinated to see how he approaches the first half of the season because I think we can agree that last year – he got off to a great start. He was great in the middle. And then when Jamal got hurt, he's like, okay, I got to ramp it up a notch. We're on the home stretch. We can do this. Now mm-hmm. it's completely opposite situation, right? You don't have Jamal at the beginning. Does he go hard out the gate to try to pace to, to try to get the Nuggets a high seed? Or does he pace himself? I actually think he's gonna give MPJ every opportunity to like be the guy. Light it up. Yeah. Yeah. So but I- that's Part part of my bet here is that like MPJ is going to light the world on fire in the first half of the season. I agree, but and I think you could have two thirty point per game scores. You know, it's not that crazy. Um, or you know, maybe one they guy both. with twenty and twenty points and ten assists a game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so I'm interested to see. I'm interested. <laughs> I'm ready to proclaim that flag of like Jokic is better than Anthony Davis. Um. And I also, it's a, I guess to tie it back to sort of uh, complete this loop, as much as I criticize Ben Simmons, I only say all that to say that I don't think he's necessarily going to be traded for Damian Lillard. I don't think he's necessarily going to be traded for this like elite player that they want just because teams are moving on. You know, that relationship is very clearly not, I mean, maybe they 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 work it out and he stays, but it seems like with each month, with each half season, every trade deadline that goes by, they're going to get more and more desperate, and the options are not going to be, oh, we'll give you Dame and CJ and picks and this and that and my left leg and my firstborn son and this this their expectations that as much as they seem to be putting out as much fodder of like, oh, this team offered us so much and the king's ransom and we still said no i think eventually he's gonna they're gonna have to take what they can get but we'll see yeah i do not envy daryl Morey right now he's got a tough tough job ahead of him with that situation mm-hmm. i don't think you can bring him back yeah and like i said he makes a lot of money tough i mean i'm sure to, they're um, trying to get dame i'm sure they're trying to get you know levine was another one brought up I think they should try to get De'Aaron Fox. I think that could be a good fit for both teams. Uh, don't mm-hmm. know if the Kings and you could do probably that, get more. You can get more than De'Aaron Fox. You can get De'Aaron Fox and maybe like some some fluff around it to like because they also need a little bit of like role player juice, so to speak. But if well, if you're the Kings, I think it'd be a good gamble because you got Halliburton, who's really good, and then you just drafted uh, Mitchell, who looks like mm-hmm. he's going to be pretty pretty good at least as a rookie so yeah you're bringing simmons in there he doesn't have to play point but he can and he can kind of be that swiss army knife on a team that doesn't have nearly as much pressure and you know play with more of a traditional like rolling big man center and rashawn holmes that's yeah he had some defense yeah Yeah, he had some physicality on the wing i mean he's not shooting the three but they can still probably go to lineups with like a backup center or a small lineup where you have all shooting around simmons they can they can do more because like in philly the team's built around a bead so simmons kind of had to fit into it and he's great for three quarters but in the fourth quarter he disappears right um last 
basically the last thing about free agency is that we're losing Paul Millsap. That is, uh, he's not, I mean, as of now, he's not on the roster. This may, we may have seen the last of him in Denver. How do you, uh, how do you, Peter, you know, kind of reflect back on his tenure here? It's been four years, a hundred million dollars later. Do you feel like it was a success bringing him in? 100%. I was pretty sad the day I found out that he was not coming back. And, uh, you know, I feel bad that we didn't win a championship for him while he was here, but he completely changed the culture. He did everything he needed to do when he was here. You know, they would have made the playoffs all four years. He got hurt that first year, and then we missed it by one game. That team would have made the playoffs. Um, he was instrumental in the comeback against the Clippers. That's what everybody remembers. That's what I'm going to remember him for. And just, just a solid guy. Like, I just don't have time for the fans that say, oh, he's overpaid. Like, if you think Paul Millsap overpaid, you just don't understand the NBA. Like, it was a young team, had cap space. We don't get free agents. Yeah. We are not in the position we are today if we don't sign Paul Millsap. That's a fact. So we've definitely you, overpaid. Paul. We're going to miss you. There are other free agents we've had that are also overpaid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Looking at you, looking at you, Mason Plumley, first team all bankroll. And Damn, you know, even Plumlee that, hate. I didn't was expecting that today. I'm not saying I, I, I even, even Jared, Mason this guy Plumlee, hates Mason Plumley and likes Flatco Chanchar. Can you explain that one to me? <laughs> I don't hate wow. Mason Plumley. I hated that we traded a first for him and the better. Oh, that's player. right. I forgot about this corner. Uh, yeah, it is. It is one of my corners. It's like, oh wow, you traded for a worse player and added a first. But you know, it's a similar thing where you had the money at the time to where it wasn't really a big deal, and the Nuggets have plenty of talent. So, what is another first round pick? Maybe it could have been great. Maybe not. I can't be too mad about the Mason Plumlee tenure. In fact, when you look at the context of not having a backup center this past season, it's uh, you know. You feel a little bit more uh, longing, you know, realizing that he's going to be in Charlotte contributing at a pretty high level, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't mind him back. Uh, and so, that, so if that's, that's how I feel about him. When, looking back at Paul Millsap, I can't say that anything beyond not being a success. Jarrett, do you feel like what what is what is like the do you have any like significant we talked about significant plays earlier? Do you have a favorite memory of Paul Millsap? It's it's probably gonna come back to that same Marcus Morris little mini brouhaha with him and Paul and that turning around that whole series. Um as far as plays, I can't I can't think of any off the top of my head of just a very specific standout. Um, but like, like Peter said, a lot of his attitude he brought to a young team, um, him telling Jokic, Hey, you're the guy you, you need to be the guy <laughs> when yeah. it was pretty clear that Jokic was trying to let Paul be that guy. And just that general mindset of turning a young team that was buried in nothing into a real legitimate contender and bringing a bunch of young guys along. So. It's funny you bring that up, Ray. I actually did just think of one Millsap play that is definitely not an iconic Millsap play, but it's a very Millsap play. I want to bring you guys back for a second. Do you guys remember a couple years ago in the regular season when we're hosting Philadelphia and we're getting absolutely destroyed in the first half? And mm-hmm. it's like bad enough to the point. I think we were down over 20 and like we were like, you know, sometimes we're going to turn the game off. We start coming back. It, feel, it felt bad. Yeah, we start coming back, we close it, and it's getting to the fourth, and we're like, we cut it all the way, I think, to one, or maybe it was tied under a minute to go. But anyway, we had the ball, chance to win the game. Jokic has the ball on the left wing. I don't remember if he if he just made the pass or if he drove, but he makes a pass to Millsap, who's in position like about five to six feet from the basket. He gets close in, he's about to go up, and you're thinking, uh-oh. Hopefully he gets fouled or he can finish this quickly because he might just get swatted. Millsap collects himself, is like double teamed, and turns around and finds 
Jokic to give the ball back to him, and Jokic hits that ridiculous game winner. Nobody yes, remembers Millsap yes. on that play, but 90% of the league is taking that up once they get that pass from Jokic. But Millsap yeah. realized, I don't have it anymore. <laughs> Let me find the big fella. And, right in a shooting know, pocket. How many guys making $30 million a year are going to pass up the game-winning shot when they have it? So that, to me, encapsulates Paul Millsap because he's he was always a team-first guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Paul, I don't mind if you come back. There are players on this roster who I would prefer to have you over. <laughs> I'm not going to name I, I, names. Unnecessary. Flagrant foul. Not necessary. <laughs> That's fine. I will be unnecessary in this situation. I miss you. Uh, come home. I miss your magic tricks. Okay, that is a wrap for Four Corners Episode 7. Thanks for coming by. We will do the free agency on a broader scale throughout the league at a later date. But this has been a lot of fun. Peter, Jared, do you guys have any parting shots for us? Uh, just real quick, like in summary, I just want to say that the Nuggets are basically – running it back, which I'm a big fan of. And I know not everybody is, but, you know, that's how it goes. All right. Nice. We don't skip steps. Podcast 7. We are out.